Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Kings Cast Podcast. New episodes are released weekly. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at KingsCast. Like on Facebook and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. with Eric and Ryan. This is your weekly Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy Smoke Shop on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. Uh, we are coming off of a super fun episode last week. Ryan and I had some great conversations about the Kings, some trades, uh, rumors, things like that. Uh, the new GM on board, so a lot of action in Kings land. So we're excited to be back with you guys again today for another fun episode. If you are looking for anything Kings Cast related, uh, you can find us anywhere at Kings Cast, and you can check out our entire catalog streaming wherever you find your podcasts. Um, bringing in my co-host today, Ryan. What's good? Hey, what's going on? Um, Fantastic week, best week of my life this week. Um, I just had my uh, my wife just delivered our baby son. It's my first child. Little Jameson is here, and he is a Kings fan, and he is ready to uh, be disappointed year after year, just like me and my older brother, Eric. Uh, but yeah, super pumped, man. I, I have a lot of emotions going through. I'm going to be really excited today. I'm going to talk fast, guys, so I'm sorry, but uh, stick with us, man. It's loaded. I am super pumped. Man, I'm excited, man. Really happy for you. Obviously, the family's happy for you. Um, you know, we were watching. Ryan and I were together today. We are, we are big Texas Longhorns fans when it comes to football. So we were out here watching the Texas OU game today. So Jameson got his first taste, Ryan, of his team of disappointment of his team letting him down. Um, you know, and I think that he's probably going to choose his teams. He's not, you know, as he's growing up, but I'm, he's going to have to be a Kings fan, man. So you know, probably That's not the. One. the yeah, and it's probably, I'm going to say, probably not the last time the young man's going to be disappointed, but, you know, no. we're happy. Um, and I'm excited to be back today, dude. Really, it's been, a good, it's been a good week for that, but it's been a good week. A lot of good interactions on social media, both on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, you know, we made a couple posts today, or this past week, on that Sat King's Bench Mob. We've mentioned them the last couple weeks, so if you guys haven't checked them out, join the Facebook group, Sat King Bench Mob. It's probably the best chat I've seen out there in Kingsland. Um, but a lot of people interacting, a lot of good posts. We've been getting a lot of uh, great ideas from there and some feedback from there, but also Twitter, um, some good interaction. So if you're checking in Kings Cast, you just found us. Uh, welcome. Appreciate you guys listening. Um, you know, it, it's it's been great. The podcast has been fun. We're coming at you weekly uh, with, with great content. But, Ryan, I think we really fucking need to get into this, dude, because um, it's only been a week, but my the, the list I put together is long, and um, I, I think we just need to hop into it. But but we, we probably got to break this off because we, you know, we're big talk radio guys, throwback talk radio guys, and 
Grant Napier dropped his new podcast, so he's out here competing with Kang's cast now. We got a rival out there. I'm just joking, but uh, I know you haven't checked out Grant's podcast because, um, you know, you've been pretty busy, but I- I'm sure you plan to, right? Oh, for sure. Probably uh, Monday. I'm going I'm going to the golf course Monday, um, so I'm going to go hit some balls at the range, so I'll probably pop in Grant's pod there when I got some peace and quiet away from, you know, it'll be my first time really away from, from the little guy, so uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited that he's back, man. We've always been huge Grant fans. Um, you know, just recently, you know, we ha- we started having our our uh, our differences from him once Vladi really came on um, to Sacramento. But we've been Grant fans for from day one, and from what you've told me, is he's back to the old Grant, and uh, that's what we like. So I'm I will be a faithful listener. And you're right. You know, we we were critical when we feel like it's time to be critical, and we keep it rolling when it's time to keep it real. And and obviously, yeah, Grant was always the one on the old KCK that was – he had that national media perspective. He had um, he, a little bit of an outside take. I mean, he hosted the Rome Show. He has roots back to the East Coast. So he brought that different flavor to KCK. And, yeah, the last couple of years, it's been kind of a bummer because it just really seems like everybody out there in Kingsland, and I'm talking about the media, particularly KCK, um, they, they like to fucking, they stroke the Kings. They stroke everything. They never want to uh, be critical of anything. And yeah, I think that was ties with Vladi. He was maybe reluctant to say some things he wanted to say. Um, and we, we, we called him out for it. But, and we were harsh. We've probably been harsh, you know, the last year, even before he got canned over there. But a hey, Grant's back and we're going to be objective and it is good. It's solid. So um, I'm sure most people know about it by now. But if you haven't, check out Grant's stuff um, and you know, definitely going to be entertained by that. Um, what else is going on, dude? NBA NBA Finals is going on, man. I mean, man, the game the game last night. So we're recording. It's what Saturday evening right now. Saturday, yeah, yeah. The Friday night game, man. That was a uh, that was a good game. So NBA Finals. You got any takes on that? You want to throw on here? I know we kind of been bringing it up weekly. Yeah, well, you know, I'm going to give you a huge shout out. Um, so before me and Eric started this podcast, before Jimmy Butler signed with Miami. Um, this is dating back over just a, just a while ago, a year and a half ago. Um, Eric had said that Sacramento should make a run at Jimmy Butler. And he had talked about that. And I'm going to give you your props on that, dude, because Eric Eric was really telling me, like, no, nah, man, I think Jimmy Butler could take us to that next level and make us, make us a playoff team. Um, it's, it's proven now. Jimmy Butler has not, getting, has not gotten his fair share of credit since he's been in the NBA. That guy is a top 10 player in the NBA for sure. He fits in perfect with that Miami team. Uh, You surround him with shooters. uh, You surround him with uh, energy guys. And Jimmy Butler, man, I'm super, super impressed. But I am a LeBron fan, okay? I love LeBron. He is my favorite player in the NBA. I I have been about that. And it's crazy. I know Eric's going to talk about this in a second, but it's crazy to us that, you know, probably our favorite player of all time is on the Lakers. It fucking sucks, dude. It eats at me every single night, you know, especially watching the NBA finals. It freaking eats at me. So, uh, but no, it's been a great finals. I had, I had predicted it was, I think you did as well was my or uh, LA and five. Um, I thought it was going to happen the other night. It didn't. I think LA and six for sure. I, I if this goes seven, uh, you better watch out. Well, yeah, you know, you, you brought up that thing. I, I was talking about Jimmy Butler, and you know what? It's it's one of those things like, you know, people always say random shit. I mean, you're if you're on social media, you, you know, you're always throwing names out there. But my thing about Jimmy Butler is he was kind of bouncing around from multiple teams. And, and for me, it was right around the time about that Bagley draft. And 
uh, the way I was seeing it, I just was really, I really wanted the, and I still do, I feel this way. And a lot of people out there probably feel this way so they could relate, right? I just want to see the Kings like make the playoffs and be steady and as a playoff contender. And I, I've, I've felt for a couple of years now, the, the best way to do that was to trade ass, uh, a, your best asset and get a proven all-star veteran player who's disgruntled. Like that's kind of been my, my, you know, go-to strategy. That doesn't always come up though. There's not always a disgruntled star impact player available. It was around that time of the Bagley draft because that draft was deep. It was super deep. And, and I, you know, I'm a trade the pick guy this year. I was a trade the pick guy then. I was like, you know, if they can find a way to get Jimmy Butler, I would have loved to see it. But, you know, hey, you know, we say things, you know, they're fantasy things. You say things, but uh, yeah, it is one of those. And yeah, thanks, thanks for the shout out on that. Because sometimes, you know, we forget takes that we've had back in the day. The, and you might have even said this when he was disgruntled with Minnesota. And I think the exact argument that you gave was Jimmy Butler wins wherever he's at. Look at him in Chicago. Even when D Rose got hurt, he was still taking that team to the playoffs. That Chicago team with him, D Wade, uh, Rondo, Rondo got hurt. And I think they got out of the first round and then Rondo got hurt and they had some complications. Then he goes to Minnesota and ends a playoff 13 year playoff drought, right? He leaves Minnesota. They, they drop out the playoffs. They're irrelevant. And then he goes to Philadelphia and Philadelphia loses on a crazy Kawhi Leonard shot. And I think it was game seven in the Eastern conference finals last year that that kept Philadelphia out of the out of the finals. And then he goes to Miami, who hasn't been relevant really since LeBron left, and look at where they're at now. So um, that is, in my, my, my memory right now, that is probably your best take that you've ever had pertaining to the NBA. So I'm just going to throw that out there for you. That, that really <laughs> well, is, dude. Well, because at the time, well, at the time, I was just like, dude, Jimmy Butler's cool. I like Jimmy Butler, but I would never have considered Jimmy Butler a top 10 player in the NBA. I'm very convinced now that Jimmy Butler is the top 10 player in the NBA. There's not well, a lot of, a lot of guys like him. I appreciate that. And, 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 you know, the relationship Ryan and I have is like, we're, we're the type, like we're in no rush here to compliment each other. Like we will fucking tell each other, dude, you, that's dumb as shit. He tells me all the time. I tell him all the time. So I appreciate that. Um, well, you, it's probably because I'm in a soft mood because my son was born this week. Well, so I'm probably like a little more emotional and I'm complaining. So don't, don't get too excited, Eric. That's probably the last one you're ever going to get. Yeah, well, okay. So you <laughs> you you said one thing before I move on that I have to comment on because you said we uh, as far as LeBron James, our favorite player. No, I I speak for myself in that Ben Wallace is my favorite player of all time, dude. Okay, and oh. then if we go number two, okay. um, go talk, go talk, Ben. Go. Talk. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're if we're talking about the Jordan, the Jordan yes. LeBron thing, I, yeah, yes. I'm with you on that. Sorry so, about that. I I, missed, um, I overstepped. So let's, I guess, branching off the finals and, and just good teams in general. Um, I, something I, I said, hey, let's talk about this on the podcast this week because it's a thought that I've had for a while and I've wanted to bring it up on here, but I haven't always got the opportunity. But I think now is the good time. Um, and, and, and that take is, I think small ball is fucking fake. I think small ball's fake. I think this soft ass uh, shooting, th- you know, shooting threes and playing no defense approach that, you know, let's pick on the Houston Rockets, right? Oh, I like the Rockets. Like, um, I think it's fucking fake. And, and it kind of relates to the Kings. So if people are like, man, man where, you know, what, what how's re-? it relates to the Kings because as the Kings are building the team, for some reason, um, a lot of people are wanting to gravitate to the Bogdanoviches, um, you know, these three-point shooters, the even Bielisa starting so many games. A lot of people feel like you have to ha- build a team that one through four is all, is all 
um, perimeter players, right? They're all these stretched players who can shoot and things like that. And I just think it's fake. And if you look at all the good teams over the last couple of years, and honestly, even the Golden State Warriors, um, I don't think the small ball thing is right. So just if you could talk a little bit about small about small ball. Do you agree with me? I mean, I feel like you probably yeah. do, right? Yes. So, so I agree with you. Okay, so you brought up the Warriors. We're going to talk about the Warriors because people are going to be like, well, the Warriors played small ball. No, they fucking didn't. Okay. No, they didn't. When back when they, I forget what year was it, 2015 or whatever it was that they first won their NBA championship. Okay. That team had Andrew Bogut, Festus Ezeli, Draymond Green, on or Harrison Barnes right there. Okay. I just named four or five guys that are like six nine, six eight and above. You had a couple seven footers in there. Okay. And then you sprinkled in uh, some three point shooting with Clay, who's a six foot seven guy, a six foot three Steph Curry, a Sean Livingston coming off the bench, who's six foot seven. You had a Leandro Barbosa, who was an elite perimeter defender, who was six foot four. So it's not like you had a bunch of little guys running around there. Okay. Small ball is fake. Look at the Houston Rockets. Look what they try to do this year. Okay. And then some, some, some other people's arguments will be well, what about the Warriors once, um, once, once Bogut and those guys left? What about him? Kevin Durant's a seven-footer. JaVale McGee's a seven-footer. Draymond Green's six-foot-seven. Uh, you had Iguodala, who's six-foot-seven. You still had Livingston. You had Clay. You had size on those teams. And that's where people, you know, the misconception about the Warriors playing small. It's not, in my eyes, it's not small ball. Kevin Durant does not get his credit when it comes to being a rim protector and his length on the court. That doesn't allow people to get to the rim. He, he is a much better rim protector than people think. And, you know, that's where, you know, the small ball to me is fake. Name another team besides the Warriors that you guys think is a small ball that didn't happen. You know, we've pointed this out plenty of times. The Mike D'Antoni and the Phoenix Suns didn't work out there. Houston Rockets hasn't worked out there. So you go back and every NBA team has bigs. Um, and, and the reason I bring this up is because, you know, the Kings are in a constant state of rebuilding. It's like, what do we do about the team? What what do we want to see the Kings do? And, um you know, in the bubble, the Kings played a lot of lineups where Harrison Barnes started at the four, right? They're they're playing a lot of these these smaller lineups. Um, and if you look at the at the Lakers, I mean, the Lakers are fucking huge. <laughs> they're huge, dude. They got guys huge, all huge, huge guys all over the court. Um, honestly, the Heat are pretty big as well. They're they're lanky and long. Um, you go back to last year, you you know the the Raptors are huge, and uh, bringing it and tying it together with the Kings, um. I said way back, Kings cast like I don't know, you know, six seven months ago we were talking, and it was right around really where uh, Holmes had went out for his injury, and then he was coming back, and uh, we were kind of throwing it out there what lineups would look at look like and things like that. And, and my thing was always like, why can't why can't Bagley play with Holmes? Why can't we get a, a big center in here? Why can't we have a big the Kings' strength is last year. Um, has been their front court. They they have a deep front court. They have tons of front court players. So I don't understand why you know in the bubble, uh, for example, they went so they went so small with those lineups, putting Harrison Barnes at the four. Or in honestly, there were times where the first sub to, uh, in the first quarter line was B, there was lines with Bielisa at center. You know, it things, oh, things a, like, a lot, a lot like that, that happened. And if you if you look like I don't know February March a lot of the king the lineups that the Kings were rolling up out there with was what Alex Len starting at mm-hmm. center with with Harry Giles and Harrison Barnes that's very big there's just like a lot of lineups like that and um you know I've I've just felt as as the Kings uh, move forward 
why can't they, they, they be big? And we talked about it last week on Miles Turner. And like, that's why Miles Turner is so attractive is, is he has like this really unique skill set of, of shooting shot blocking, but he's also big. Right. So I guess, you know, I want to hear your take, but my thought is, is that the, as the Kings build this team throughout the off season, not to be afraid of, of just throwing it out there um, with a bunch of big lineups. I mean, everybody, everybody has it in their heads that the power forward needs to be a stretch four. do you feel that way? Like, do you think do you get that idea? Uh, so I don't get that. You know, look at it's kind of a reach, but I, I look at the Nuggets. Okay, they play a lot of Jeremy Grant at the four. You know, Jeremy Grant's a very good offensive player, but that's the type of player that I that I like to see. He's versatile, so I think your four should be long in length to where he can switch out and pretty much guard anybody. But also at the same time. Uh, you know, he needs to be able to run the court as well. So it's versatility for me. And I, you know, I know Paul Millsap starts for them, but Jeremy Grant gets a lot of run there. So um, I do think that Sacramento could play Marvin Bagley at the four. And I think that's what they should do. And I know I said it earlier, but you look at all these NBA final championships teams of the last 10 years, and people are talking about, yeah, all the three-point shooting. Well, it's about the big shooting three. And it's about having a big lineup, dude. The small ball is fake. And I'm so glad you brought this up. And people are going to, you know, say whatever they want. But small ball, to me, it's not a real thing, dude. Those teams aren't successful at all. You have to have bigs. And you made a really good point there, too. It's not necessarily in the front court where it needs to be so big, right? Like, no, you have these, like, like throwback type of players. It doesn't need to be like that. Um, But you said, you said it right there. The lineup needs to be big. We've been saying it since... Do you remember that game one this past year? You know, the Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns yeah. versus the yeah, Kings. Yeah, when, Ke- when, Kelly, when Kelly Oubre kicked their ass. Yeah, and the Kings turned the ball over like 20 billion yeah. times, you know? Yes. And we said it after that game. We're like, dude, this team is not athletic. They're not nope. big. And I know, I know it caught on because in, in pretty much everything I've seen out there in Kingsland, everybody, everybody talks about length now. I mean, that's, it's kind of become more to the forefront. Like, people are evident. So, like – you you know you you can't roll out there with these tiny guys all over the court because you'll get you'll get crushed. Um, so that I I like that take and I I like that length. Honestly, something we're we're gonna have to kind of have more conversations about. And I, I think it's something I'm keeping in mind that I I don't know what the Kings are gonna do. I really don't know what they're gonna do. I think people think that because they bring in this GM from Houston, they're automatically going to go to uh, tiny. And I I don't think that's that's necessarily the case. I mean. Um, they, they did, they weren't, um, they weren't tiny and I mean, like they had Clint Capella, you know, they, they had, they've had big guys. So yeah, well, Houston, Houston didn't work out, dude. It didn't work out. So why would Monty Monte McNair come here and try to replicate what didn't work when you had James Harden, one of the best scorers of all time, you had Russell Westbrook, one of the best all around players and guards of all time. So I don't think that's a strategy. So for everybody out in Kingsland, I don't think that's it. That recipe doesn't work. It's never proven to be, it's never proven to work. So I think it's time to move on from that. I like that. We got this out, man. Um, Curious to see what people think. I think it's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Ryan, guess what, man? I think you're gonna be you're gonna be really excited. You're gonna be really excited because I'm bringing back a segment we haven't had in months, and we have a trash take of the week, dude. Can oh you believe god. it? Oh my god! So it's been okay. a while. We got to let the people know. So the trash take of the week was something we were doing throughout the season, um, and it's one of those things like 
whether we read an article, a blog, we listen to something, it's something out there that's a take that's fucking trash, basically. And uh, so, you know, Ryan and I will just do, if we came up with this trash take of the week, we call them out and we give a correction here or we critique while it's trash. So uh, without further ado, this week's trash take of the week, Ryan doesn't even know it, Ryan. Um, this comes to Bleach Report. I, I didn't know we were doing this. Yeah, Bleach Report, man. All right. So Bleach Report okay. has, uh, you know, they've been doing their trades and man this is so fucking trash dude okay um they they have a trade on here um proposing that the kings trade De'Aaron fox and uh nemanja and i say bj lisa because that's my guy bj lisa uh nemanja be lisa <laughs> uh for markel fultz mo bamba and then 15th overall pick dude oh my god are you serious I swear to God. Yeah, that's official, man. That's on Bleacher Report. Holy shit. So I thought you were, oh my God. So I thought you were going with the Nikolai Batum trade that I had saw on Bleacher Report. Uh, Because that one was pretty, that one was pretty fucked. But you want us to trade Darren Fox for Mo Bamba and Markel no jump shot Fultz and the 15th fucking pick. This draft, this draft fucking sucks. You know, this draft is not very deep. I think there's some good players in it, but this draft is not fucking deep. What are you going to – you want to draft me at 15? Because that's pretty much what's going to fucking happen. Well, Holy I'm sure shit. we'll give – I'm sure at 15 we'll probably get a little bit better than you, but um, it's not a game – it's, it, you it's, know, it's, an it's exa- not a guaranteed you know, game just, breaker. I'm making, I'm making a point, man. That's all. I'm just making a point. So, anyway, trash take – I mean, do we even need to explain that? I feel like most people would be laughing oh. at that. Oh, my – yeah, no, don't – no. Proceed, <laughs> please. That was trash. Very much trash. So a couple other trades. I thought this, I, I've said, you know, uh, each week, Bleach Report's definitely active on the trade machine crap. And Sacramento just does not get represented in the national, what do you call this, landscape, I guess, right? And, and when they do all 32 teams, they don't get represented. But here's a couple different Rightfully trades. Throw, so. They're just throwing out there, you know, good or bad, Ryan. You don't have to go too long on all of them because I'm sure that yeah, well, you, you, yeah. you mentioned this one. Um, yeah, you mentioned, okay, Buddy Heald and the Kings would get Batum uh, if he opted in. So you get that big contract for like four points a game. Um, you get And then the Kings would get Malik Monk and the number 32 pick. So, oh man. Yeah, the Kings are just going to give up Buddy can I Heald talk about apparently. That? Can, yeah, you can. Can I talk go about ahead. that one real quick? Okay, so you if you've been listening to Kings cast for a while, I've brought up Nick Nikolai Batum a couple times in trade scenarios. Um you know, if I think Charlotte has a three pick, if Charlotte was to throw in the three pick, this is the thing. If they want us to take on that fat contract to not play the guy, you've got to give us something better than a 32 pick. All right. It might've been a stretch drafting me at 15, but it's not a stretch drafting me at 32. Okay. Get the it's fuck out of stretch. here with that. It's still a trash <laughs> stretch, bro. <laughs> Come on, stretch. man. Hey, I can shoot free throws coach. Put me in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just, again, it's one of those, like, you know, uh, buddy healed ever since he popped off, which we'll pro- I think I, I have it later on here in the agenda, but yeah. ever since he popped off with that quote this past week, all of a sudden the Kings are just going to yes. give him away, for, give yeah, him away for exactly. nothing. Exactly. Um, it's, it's retarded. There was another one in there, um, that was pretty good. And, and, uh, we can talk about it because we talked about it last week. Um, and it is, this one says the Kings, I don't know, man, what do you think about this? They, they think the Kings would get Victor Oladipo and Miles Turner, um, and they would give up Buddy Hield, Bielisa, and the number 12 pick. That's the first decent trade that I've seen that included both of those guys. Okay, so let me think about this. If I'm Indiana, I probably do that because why? I – Well, I, I, okay, and this is why. Because you have Sabonis under contract, right? You're going to be able to bring him back. I don't know if he's under contract, but you're going to be able to keep Sabonis, okay? Um, you have Brogdon under – 
uh, he just signed. Okay. So he, he's there for like the next three or four years. And then you have Buddy Hield under contract with the assets that Indiana has getting that pick. They have their own pick. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, Buddy Hield, and Sabonis, uh, TJ Warren. That team competes in the East. And if, and if you're Indiana, you can trade those picks into something else and bring somebody in. So I think for Indiana, knowing that Oladipo has been hurt, he's going to move on. And if you're them, you probably don't want to bring Miles Turner back because of Sabonis. And, and, you know, he's just an all-star guy. So if I'm Indiana, that makes sense. Uh, but I don't know how much Indiana – is in love with Oladipo. I don't think they, they love Miles Turner, obviously, but I don't know how much they, they value. I shouldn't say in love. I don't know how much they value Oladipo. If I'm Sacramento, me and Eric love Buddy Heald. Okay? It, we think that he has a lot of trade value. If I'm Sacramento, I probably do that. I know we talked about the Oladipo thing last week about him being hurt and all that stuff and you know him having that one good year that was kind of just an what is it anomaly or whatever you want to say I don't I don't know uh but if I'm Sacramento I probably do that if I'm Indiana I probably do that so that's a very good trade offer I haven't really thought about but people got to realize too a lot of blockbuster that's a blockbuster trade those things kind of don't happen for small market teams like Indiana and Sacramento uh so the odds of having are slim but I like it that's that is one of the better ones that I've heard that's why I wanted to bring it up because last week we spent a lot of time kind of talking about this whole thing. And, and it's the first legitimate trade I've seen to have them both come back. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know to me, here's, here's my take on, okay. For me, I don't do it because I just don't see, I don't see the need to go get all depot. I don't, um, I, I do feel the need to go get Miles Turner. I've been seeing a lot of people in Kingsland posting about all depot because they look at those peak stats um, the cool thing about Oladipo, though, Ryan, he is like an all-defensive uh, NBA guy. No, he is. That, he is. That, 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 is, that is something that's attractive. It's just – it's tough, man, when you – you know, do you want to give up the 12th pick and Buddy Heald essentially to get back a guy who's coming off of, you know, significant injury? You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard, and we've talked about this, but I think if you can get the both of them, that is something you have to explore, especially – if you exhaust all attempts to trade Buddy Hield for something else, that's really where it comes into. If you know, obviously, if you can shop Buddy Hield somewhere else and get something, uh, that's that's what's going to happen. But if you have exhausted all attempts to move Buddy Hield somewhere, and it comes down to Oladipo, Miles Turner, I'm not mad at that. I think Oladipo and Darren Fox next to each other would be tricky. Uh, that is probably the worst shooting starting backcourt in the league from three point distance. Uh, Oladipo's very volume shooter. He he he's not very efficient, and he's not very big. So you're looking at your. It'd be a smaller backcourt, similar to what Portland puts out there without the three point shooting. Same height wise. So um, I think if they if Sacramento did that, I think it would. You would have to trade Harrison Barnes at that point. Just you know, when I'm putting together a team, you would have to move Harrison Barnes and put in a three and D guy in that position around them. Somebody who shoots the three well and plays defense alongside of those guys. Um, it's a reach. Like I said, blockbuster trades don't happen. And I would definitely categorize that as a blockbuster trade. Um, I guess moving on is been a while since we've talked about uh, Bogdanovich. So, okay. I would say this. If you, if you're listening to us and you've been listening to us, um, it, it's, it's not news how we feel about Bogdanovich. I mean, pretty much uh, since last October, um, when the Kings didn't get that deal done, Ryan and I 
both were um, we really wanted Bogdanovich traded by the deadline. It didn't happen, and now we're at a point where we're 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 just I guess scared. And I'm gonna speak for Ryan because I know how he feels. We're scared that the Kings are gonna lock up Bogdanovich for uh, a large amount of money, like 15, 18, you know, something somewhere in that range, maybe nineteen. I hope not. That'd be crazy. I don't see that, but um, so. The Bogdanovich is kind of like up in the air. It's a weird situation for me. Um, we're hoping we're hoping that there's some type of sign and trade that could happen, but who knows? This is going to be this is probably going to be the most interesting thing of the entire offseason. Like more interesting than Vadi quitting, getting fired. More interesting than Buddy Heel popping off because I think the most interesting to me is what's going to happen with the Bogdanovich because the Bogdanovich situation can kind of. Um, dictate what the Kings can do over the next couple of years and how, what their lineup looks like and, and all that stuff, you know? Um, and uh, I had put a thing, I put a couple, two episodes ago, I'd said, you know, I'm going to put a thing out there about Bogdanovich uh, for Kyle Kuzma. I put that trade out there. Um, like uh, Bleacher Report, I think had put that trade out. So I put it in some of the social medias and got some comments. I just wanted to see where people's heads at about Bogdanovich. It seems like people are pretty split still on Bogdanovich, Ryan, like 50, 50-50, you know. Um, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to talk on Bogdanovich uh, again, you know, and just kind of put out that point. Okay, so I'm going to bring something up, and we were going to talk about this later, but I'm going to bring it up right now. Um, so on on the bench mob, somebody had posted a great post um, a couple hours ago. Shout out, ooh, shout out Ryan Jamison. That's weird, right, Eric? My name's Ryan. My son was just born. He's named Jamison. That's weird. Anyways, moving forward. This guy put out on the bench mob the top Bleacher Report's top 15 shooting guards and their salaries, okay? So for everybody who loves Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, and they, they we're going to put this into perspective, okay? So he didn't make the top 15, all right, obviously. The guy's a, a 14, 15, a point. I think he's 13 for his career, whatever. He didn't make, he didn't make the top 15. And for us to go pace somebody who is not, a top 20 shooting guard. Cause I wouldn't even put him in top 20 um, for us to pay him 19, 17 mil a year. It doesn't work for me because you look at comparing salaries um, to that. And that's Evan Fournier, seven, 17.2 Tim Hardaway's making 19 mil uh, Danny green, who I like a whole lot, hell of a lot better than, than Bogdan. People are going to hate because Danny green missed the shot last night, but Danny green plays defense and he's a very effective three point shooter. He's making 15.5. Uh, so people need to get with, the program when it comes to, you know, yes, Bogdanovich is cool. We say it all the time. Yeah, he's a cool player. Would you like to have him on our team? Hell yes. Would I like to have him on my team for 17 million? Fuck no. So people, you know, nobody talks about, you know, the, like you said, this is the most interesting piece of Sacramento basketball this offseason. Nobody's talking about it. And I feel like people just really love Bogdanovich and people aren't putting him in there as a, uh, for what he really is. He is a role player. I do not think Bogdanovich is a starting shooting guard on an NBA team. Okay. The only way, you know, he might be a starting shooting guard on the Lakers. Okay. You might, if you got to put him around LeBron James and Anthony Davis and, and let him shoot some wide open threes and be a little, you know, backup point guard, whatever. Yes, he, he would play. But if, if Bogdanovich is on a Sacramento team, if he is on a, a Phoenix team and he's starting, um, to me, that's not a playoff. That's not a playoff team. That's not a championship team. 
Um, he's a guy that you need to surround with a lot of talent and, uh, you know, allow him to show strengths. I don't think he's a, a, a primary ball handler. I don't think he's a, a great playmaker. So people really need to come to the realization that we cannot go pay this guy 17 mil. And I've said it before. I would like to see 13 and a half, 14 mil, anything over 14.9. And I know it's a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is. I don't give a shit. If you pay him 15 million a year, I'm out. 14.9, I'm okay with it. And people are going to say, what's the difference? That, I'm telling you, that's the difference. It's the principle of the thing, okay? Bogdanovich is not worth $15 million a year. 14.5, preferably or lower. Well, and, and, and he turned out here, he turned down that contract. I haven't broke down the money, but the contract, I want to say the Kings offered him was like in the 12, 13 range. So clearly he's looking yeah. for that number that you're talking I, I think about. It was, I think it was 13 and a half or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so he's, he's looking that's for that That's why number. I talked about that, yeah. The take here for me is that there's been a lot of guys who fit that, that uh, I'll call it statistical output that have become restricted free agents and their teams have overpaid for them. And I've brought this up before, but you know, I'll do it again. Um, And I bring up Kent Bazemore. So Kent Bazemore, when he was playing, um, it was in Atlanta, Atlanta, right? So when Kent Bazemore was playing in Atlanta, he had a year where, you know, he was, he was like, Bogdanovich's age right now, maybe maybe even a little bit younger, and he had about 13 points a game. He was a guard forward type of player and whatever, and they gave him a huge contract. If you go if you go look at 19, at, 19 mil a year, yeah. Or something like if that. You, if you go look at Bazemore's cap at right now, it's it's 19 million a year, and uh, I they instantly regretted that they traded him. Um, another guy too you brought up who I like. I've I've, I've liked this guy, Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway is that guy too. Where Tim Hardaway. Uh, when he that he signed with the Knicks, yeah, he signed with the Knicks, and it was the same thing. It was he got overpaid, and I mean they got they got lucky in that they traded, they tried to swing for the fences when they traded uh, Porzingis, um, and they were able to basically include Hardaway in there. But if if you take a look, like Hardaway is over, you know he's overpaid. He he's not nineteen million a year, you know, not and and honestly, he, uh, the Mavericks are gonna try to find a way to get off of that guy, not because he can't play or anything, but it's in the NBA. It's, it's not necessarily talent. It's also value. And it's also the cap impact on, on your team. And that's significant when you're a team that's trying to take the next step, you know, um, when you're a top team, you can sign a guy one year, 15 million, like a Danny green. Cause it falls off, but you can't overpay guys and you can't overpay guys when you're the Kings. I talked about it last week and, when you overpay a guy here by an extra two million, three million over market to play a role player role, a rotational role, it straps you. We mentioned we cited like uh, Corey Joseph, right? You you can't get strapped on guys like this because then, you know, twelve million, thirteen million, fifteen million, you know, a couple million over, and all of a sudden you you're really flirting uh, with your cap space. You're flirting with that line, and it's going to prevent you from doing things, you know, and uh, and I just don't like that idea of doing it. And, and, I, and that's where I stand today still, where if the number, I think that honestly over, over 14.00 for me is really where it's at, dude. Like I, I don't even like to go higher um, than that. Um, so, so go ahead. We're, we're, okay. So Tim Hardaway, let's check this out real quick. Okay. Tim Hardaway averaged 15.8 per game this year on a playoff team. On a playoff team, he's getting 18.5 this year, 18.5 next year, and that's it. So uh, just to put that in perspective, 
All right, here's his, his last five years, okay? 17 and a half, 18.1, 19.1, 15.5, 15.8, all of which are better than any season that Bogdanovich has ever had, okay? And Eric even said it, Tim Hardaway's overpaid, okay? So people who think that we got to pay Bogdanovich and keep him around, get the hell out of here, okay? I'm not paying that guy. He does not make Sacramento any better um, at the moment, um, like a, he's a great, he, he's a, he's a great role player. He's a good player that I would like to have on the team if we already had a playoff roster to bring off the bench. But if Bogdanovich has to be your starting shooting guard on a, on a, uh, uh, an up and coming team, you're not doing very well. Cause the guy is also going to be 28 years old pretty soon. And he's, he, he hasn't really gotten better any years he's been in the NBA. It's kind of a weird take because I'll, it's very, uh, we're right on that border, you know, where we, we like him. We like what he does. We're not haters. It's the contract that we've become haters. And I think that the the counter to the take that we have here from people listening may be, well, the Kings can't let him go for nothing, right? That's what I've heard. And you know what I say? No, they, they, they can't let him go for nothing. That's why they should have fucking traded him at the deadline like we were saying. But you know what? They, they didn't. They didn't trade him at the deadline. So now you may have to let him go Um you know, you, you may have to let him go for nothing and you may have to eat it. You don't want to, sometimes you got to cut your losses. You just got to cut them. You, you, why overpay him? Because you can't let him go for nothing instead of just let him go. And then now you have some cap space and you, and you can move on. Um, you know, and, and okay. Ah. So yeah. So I'll bring, you know, I, I'll bring this up. If, if Bogdanovich was 24 years old, I'd pay him. I, I would pay him. If he wanted 18 millionaire and he was 24 years old, I'd pay him. But people forget that Bogdan is 27 right now. And he's going to be, I think, 28 by the time the season starts. Okay, He hasn't gotten better since he's been in the NBA. His stats have been really, really consistent since he's been here. He is in the middle of his prime right now. People forget that. People often, you know, in, in my opinion, people often forget that he is a veteran because he played in Europe so long. Okay, the guy isn't young. He's not. He's same age as Buddy Heald. Okay, and Buddy Heald put out 20 points a game last year, 19 and whatever this year. Okay, Bogdanovich, uh, if he again, if he asks for over 14.9, I know it sounds stupid, but you gotta walk. Um, Buddy Heald. So Buddy Heald's probably, I think Ryan gonna be our bull conversation to on this episode today. So Buddy Heald came out and uh made those well he didn't make the comments i guess there's there's reports about him not taking calls or something i don't know man you know who who knows who knows what the hell that's all about he could just be on vacation and not want to deal with hear from people that's honestly if i were fucking rich and i just finished being in the bubble um i probably wouldn't take a lot of calls either i just i'd be chilling dude so you know maybe maybe that's it guys we can we can cross our fingers and hope but uh you know since then mixed mixed feelings out there a lot of people are hurt and Kingsland, like he he's a punk. We gotta fucking trade him. You know, you see that take. Um, you say, well, if he, if he's gonna go, like we might as well do this, and then, uh, you know, try to make it work. Um, but then there is the third take, which is where we stand, which is just stand pat, like keep him here. You know, make him happy. Find the role, develop, de- uh, find the role for him on the team, and make him happy again. Because I guarantee you, put Buddy Hield out there and, and let him shoot and let shooters shoot and let him score. And it'll be, it'll be all fine. It'll be all great, man. So there still is that option guys. I think that just because he's upset and disgruntled, it, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you, you need to get rid of him and, and let him go. But, um, you know, 
I, I figured we'd have a little, a little conversation about Buddy Heald and just put it out there today. Yeah, so uh, like you said, people are calling him a punk and stuff like that. Okay, so put yourself in Buddy Heald's shoes, okay? Um, the last two years, you've been the leading scorer on the team. Um, last year, you played your ass off and you almost made the playoffs, okay, with uh, a roster that wasn't that talented. You overachieved. He earned his contract because a year ago, you guys were in love with Buddy Heald. Don't forget that. Okay. One year ago to the day, you guys were in love with him thinking he's going to blow up. Okay. So put yourself in Buddy's shoes for a minute. He goes into the off season last year. They're talking with Vladi and Vladi's telling him, Hey, we're going to pay you this. This is going to be, you know, probably, you know, you're going to be the number one option this year. And you know, once Deer and Fox, it's going to be you and, and Fox going forward. You guys are going to be that, that backcourt probably telling him you're going to be one of the best backcourts in the league. You know? Um, so Buddy's working his butt off. He's doing all these things. You fire Jaeger, okay? You bring in a new coach, and all of a sudden, Buddy's on the bench, okay? So everybody for everybody calling him a punk, put yourself in his shoes. His stats are almost identical to what they were last year, points-wise, you know? You, you know, putting that out there, his averages are almost exactly the same. So you put yourself in Buddy's shoes and tell me, they're telling me all this stuff last year, and then this year I come out and I perform about the same, and now I'm getting hated on. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. But Buddy Heald, I saw a good post on Benchmob again, dude. I keep referring to them because you, you, there's so many people on there that just throw you know content out there that we can talk about. Somebody said that um, they were hating on Buddy Heald, and I want to say it was one of the guys who owns the page. It might have been Yost, right? That's his name. Uh, he came on and he said, he said, you know, so, along the lines of Buddy Heald is an elite shooter. Okay, somebody was talking about how Buddy Heald's a good three-point shooter, whatever. We like elite qualities. Guys with elite qualities in the NBA tend to do good things. There is not a lot of guys in the NBA with elite qualities. And I, I want to say one of the guy that had posted this was talking about, well, we need someone who plays defense and does this and this. Okay, again, there is not a lot of guys in the NBA with elite qualities. I can name a few. Okay. James Harden is an elite scorer. Okay. Uh Clay Thompson is an elite shooter. Buddy Hill's an elite shooter. Um, elite defense, Patrick Beverly. Guys don't have to be all around NBA players to make an impact. Buddy Hill makes an impact with his elite shooting because he forces defenses to stay close to him. I think that's the exact words the guy used to. He forces the defense to stay close to him. And that in, that in return gives Darren Fox lanes to move forward. So that's why Buddy Heald to me is so valuable because I think moving forward next to Darren Fox, he provides a lot of positive things for Fox. And I've talked about it week in and week out about how, you know, you want to take care of your best players. Sacramento never took care of DeMarcus Cousins and it showed. Take care of Darren Fox and leave Buddy Heald there. Let Buddy Heald create space for Darren Fox. So that's kind of my spiel right now. I'm sorry, I just said a lot, but that's how I feel. And people talk about about you know just hating on this buddy stuff we like elite players who do elite things the counter to buddy which i agree man it's it's valid so if you're listening and you oppose us right so if you're like if you don't like buddy and you see more value in trading him look i i do understand part of that take because i think the counter to buddy is that he is i don't know some people think all, all he can do is shoot right and that and you know, he, he, I will say, Buddy Hill fucking, he's, he can't take the ball to the hoop very strong, man. He, he, it's, he's so soft at the rim. So I will, I, I, that bothers me. And I do give people that. Um, he's not the best ball handler. I, no, no doubt. 
he's not the best ball handler, and I don't think that he should be handling the ball. I, I and if he is handling the ball, he's probably not going to be uh, lead at it. I, I get that. Um, and then yeah, the other th- I think the th- another thing too is kind of what I've been hearing is the attitude. So those th- three things have been turnoffs to people, and and people would prefer to see a more versatile player and re- come back and return. I think that's why people like the Oladipo prospect, which you know, I, again, I. I think we, we understand that, right? Um, but I think the real of it is that it, it's not that clear cut. You can't just say, I want him. I want, I want a, this player and we'll give you Buddy Hill. Like that swap's not that easy. You know, you got to make trades. You got to do things. So you, you kind of sometimes are stuck with what you have and you have to make it work. And that's the thing about really good teams is that really good teams find ways to put their guys in position to, um, you know, I don't know, to be, be their best at their skill set. Yeah, like put your guy in yes. and that's I think that's what we want and that's why we still have this like optimism uh surrounding but because because if anybody wants to argue he's not an elite three point shooter I mean that's just not an argument stats show that right like he's a lead at that. So we've just want to see him be put into that role where he gets those high percentage shots of what he's good at and that's what he needs to focus on and and he's a a, a focal part of the team. The problem is is that this past year if you look just let's just look in the bubble when he did get time it's with Corey joseph on the floor it's it's just with a bunch of random guys on the floor and he's the primary ball handler it's just not where he's at man that's not what he does so i get if you're watching him and you get frustrated because they're asking him to do things that he shouldn't be doing you know and um I guess that's my biggest thing is I, I, I do think like you were talking about, I think the combination of Fox and Buddy Hield, if used correctly, um, could be dangerous, man. It could be successful. And I think a lot of, I think Buddy Hield carries a lot of the blame for the Kings for whatever reason, but I think a lot of the blame goes to just the overall team and the, and, and the players that are on the team. And let's not forget people that going into the year, the, the Kings signed, you know, Trevor Ariza, Dwayne Dedman, Corey Joseph, Guys to be focal points of the team. Two or three of those guys didn't even last until freaking Valentine's Day. And the other guy is so-so, right? So um, I, I, that's, that's all it is. It's like we – I would I would say if Buddy Hill got a full season, utilized correctly, and he then forced the ball handling, forced the shots, uh, turned the ball over, played out of rhythm and things like that, you know, I think that it could be a different conversation we could have like middle of the year. I think we, we, we're not afraid to be objective about that, but as, as it stands right now, I just don't think the guy's gotten a fair shake and it's really difficult because you have a guy who's very good at something and they're not doing him, using him for that. And, uh, you know, and, and they're not going to get the return back that people want, unfortunately for him, if they w- did decide to move off him. So that's why we're, we're more of the, come on, let's be smart and maybe try to make it work people, you know? So there is what 32 NBA teams, 30, 30, I think. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. yeah, There's 30 NBA teams. Okay. There is 34 guys in the NBA who average more points than Buddy Hill. 34. That is it. One of them is Darren Fox. So take away 33. Okay. There's 33 guys ahead of Buddy Hill who average more points. So just put that in perspective. Um, The guy does score. I think you said it. Sacramento asked him to do some things that were outside of his skill set dribbling, taking the ball to the hoop, um, ask, you know, especially when you ask him to play Corey Joseph, don't even get me started on that. But, you know, I, I it's like beating a dead horse. We talk about it all the time. We love Buddy Heald, so we are going to be advocates. But I do want to say for you guys who 
uh, our first time listeners to this, if you have a take against Buddy Heald, dude, we would love for you guys to hit us up. If you have to put it in the bench mob, do whatever you got to do. Um, we would love to talk about you guys. We're not the type of guys who are going to come put you down. Uh, we're not going to, you know, I know there's guys online who will curse at you and try to shit on you and stuff. No, dude, we'll have a uh, productive dialogue about Buddy Heald, man. That's like one of my favorite things to do is, you know, I want to talk about Buddy and Bogey with people. So hit us up, man. Let us know your guys' takes. Um, one last point before I wrap it up, Ryan, and, and it really, uh, it really kind of solidifies my case, I guess, and how I feel. It's 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 his contract. The guy just signed the extension; hasn't even kicked in yet. It kicks in this season. It, it's it's for four more years, and it's a de-escalating. And it goes from twenty-four down to eighteen. So the last year is at eighteen. It's like twenty-four, what twenty-two, twenty, and eighteen, something along those lines, right? That's crazy, man. It could because if Buddy if Buddy Hill is is in his you know his thirties and he's averaging twenty-two points a game, he's averaging eighteen points a game. You can. There's no rush to trade the guy. It is my point. Teams, playoff teams particularly, you're telling me that if the 76ers are battling in the Eastern Conference and they get uh, super desperate by the trade deadline, you couldn't squeeze them for more? You're telling me there's not other teams out there you couldn't squeeze for more? There's no rush. The guy's locked up. He's on a de-escalating contract. He's here. They need him. They need a guard. Make it work. Make it happen. That's my take. You know what I mean? So, anyway... Um, Hey guys, we appreciate you listening in. Um, if you guys ever, we dropped the trash take of the week this week. So if you guys ever see a trash take of the week, please nominate it by tagging us. Um, if you have anything you ever want to be read on the show or just want to shout out, um, just let us know. We're happy to do so. We're, we always are happy to interact. Uh, we've been active in the Sacramento Kings bench mob mentioned like 10 times today. So again, shout out. Um, but also on Twitter, that's pretty much where we do a lot of our talking, post a lot of our shows. You can follow me um, at Kingscast Eric. You can follow Ryan at Kingscast Ryan. And you can stay up to the date of the podcast at our main account at Kingscast. Um, and for everything else, uh, Kingscast, you can find our entire catalog streaming wherever you find your podcast. Uh, so with that, for Ryan, this is Eric. Go Kings. Kings. This episode was brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop, 209's headiest smoke shop. Follow them on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209 for a view of all of their awesome inventory. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.